You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Google is being sued over claims the company is illegally muzzling its workers with its sweeping confidentiality policies. An anonymous Google product manager alleges that Google's employee confidentiality agreement makes it a firing offense for employees to whistleblow to regulators or to disclose salaries, work skills, or experience to future employers. Google denies the claims. My guests are Rebecca Tushnet, professor at Georgetown University Law School, and Andrea Matwishin, professor at Northeastern University Law School. Rebecca, let's start with the allegations that Google's policies prevent employees from communicating directly with regulators, such as the SEC, about potential Mm -hmm. legal violations. Does that fly in the face of federal whistleblower laws? Well, uh, there's there's actually um, not a huge amount of federal law about this. Uh, actually, what the, uh, what the complaint is saying is that uh, the way that Google frames its policies um, violates federal policy, which is then a violation of California law. Um, and so uh, based on the allegations of the complaint, wh- what they're saying is that Google tells uh, its employees that it can't blow the whistle in lots of circumstances where in, by, by law, Google shouldn't be stopping them from blowing the whistle. And, Andrea, the suit was brought under California's Private Attorneys General Act, which basically allows employees to enforce the state labor code. Tell us more about how that law works. Uh, so the specifics of the California law, unfortunately, I'm not particularly familiar with that. But what I can tell you is the broader set of dynamics around the delicate balance between private sector contracts and the way that state law generally works in these circumstances. So in general, when a company gets started and they bring in employees, it's obviously in their interest to have a relatively aggressive set of confidentiality obligations. Indeed, their information security duties would require them to have relatively aggressive confidentiality obligations. And we want that. We want companies to be able to defend their intellectual property. Now, that said, we have a countervening policy in each state's contract law about 
excessive restrictions on mobility and on overreach in contracts relating to confidentiality and restrictions on work and employment. So the way that the California board is going to decide this claim will partially be through this traditional contract law analysis, looking at whether the scope of the restrictions on the employee's speech represents overreach in light of California's case law and statutory interpretations about the correct balance between the intellectual property and privacy interests of companies versus the right to work and the right to speak of employees as a matter of public policy. And in fact, in contract law, there are areas where we say that public policy acts as a countervailing interest that supersedes the rights of private parties to engage in a bilateral agreement restricting speech. But in general, the contract law default is that we do have the right to agree to restrain ourselves from speaking about particular matters. So that's the balance that's at stake. Rebecca, it's understandable (laughs) that Google wants to protect proprietary business information. Mm -hmm. According to the complaint, though, the policies hamstring employees from getting a new job by prohibiting them from telling a potential employer how much money they make or what Mm -hmm. kind of work they performed. Does that seem like a violation? Uh, so in in general, uh, yes. Um, so, uh, so as Andrea said, there uh, you know there are some things where you don't want someone leaving to take away company specific secrets. But uh, at the same time, uh, it, it's actually uh, the case that we're all better off when people can move jobs when for, you know, the top employees by, uh, you know, paying them or giving them opportunities that they're interested in. And if Google can't do that and somebody else can, they should be able to leave. So if you can't tell somebody uh, how much you're making at Google, uh, it's very hard to make a counteroffer. You know, you're just fighting in the dark. Uh, So that kind of thing is is probably uh, uh, far too excessive. Andrea, One thing that seems odd and a little bit scary is that, according to the complaint, Google's investigations team engages in a stop leaks campaign to enforce confidentiality policies by asking employees to file suspicious activity reports about colleagues. Am I overreacting to that? Well, the, the, I think the details will, will matter. But, um, again, we have a, a set of balanced interests. So because technology companies in particular sit in an information critical point in our economy, for example, if one technology worker suspected that a colleague had been co-opted by a foreign, foreign intelligence service to create a backdoor in a technology or otherwise damage the trusted nature of the product, we might want that kind of reporting in that circumstance. Now, if the reporting circumstances are, for example, a restriction on stopping a company from engaging in, say, securities fraud, we would view that as an overreach in in that kind of a restriction. So the specifics will matter, but in general, um, it's not out of the box and a bad idea to have an internal reporting structure for companies when there appears to be impropriety happening uh, within 
a particular group of, of coworkers. Insider threats as a matter of information security for companies are perhaps the most delicate and potentially most devastating kinds of threats. So again, it's a balancing act. Rebecca, just about 45 seconds here. What kind of damages are available? Is it damages for the one person or damages for the policy? So they're asking for uh, statutory damages. Now, uh, I'm not deeply familiar with the labor code, but they, the complaint says basically that uh, it's per employee per pay period because these are restrictions you're just not supposed to have on the employees. Um, so that could add up pretty fast, um, even if it's you know $100 per employee per pay period. Um, that's a fair amount of employees and a fair number of pay periods that they're saying it's extended past. The families of three men killed at Orlando's Pulse nightclub have sued Twitter, Facebook, and Google, accusing them of allowing ISIS to use their sites to recruit fighters, raise funds, and conduct operations. A California court previously ruled that Twitter could not be held liable under federal law for similar claims because the claims were based on third-party content. The plaintiffs are using a novel legal strategy, alleging that the social media company should be held liable for what sewers post on their website services because they paid content with advertising. Um, our, we have been talking with Rebecca Tushnet, professor at Georgetown University Law School, and Andrea Matwishin, professor of law at Northeastern University. Andrea, what is the greatest challenge to these kinds of lawsuits? The greatest challenge is most likely Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, which was a law that was passed by Congress over a decade ago in order to stimulate the creation of Internet services and content. And so what it says is that basically platforms, places where users can post comments, are generally not held liable for what people post as comments or in their created content unless that platform, for example, has actual knowledge of copyright infringement, which may create a set of other legal obligations to take down. But basically, Section 230 provides a buffer in order to allow for spaces on the Internet to exist where people can freely comment and exchange ideas. So it it does not create attribution for those user-created comments pertaining to the platform itself. Rebecca, The plaintiff's attorney says his strategy is novel because he's alleging that the social media companies should be held liable for what users post on their services because there is paid content with advertising linked to it. Yeah, uh, it's not novel and it's not going to work. So, uh, I mean, people have tried lots of ways to get around Section 230. Uh, This is one of them, and uh, it's... Uh, it's not going to work any better for them than it has for anybody else. And, Rebecca, is there a strategy that would work, or is this sort of an area of where there, this is a protection that these social media sites have? Well, uh, so, I mean, one possibility is to change the law. Uh, we could do that. I don't think it would be a very good idea, but, you know, it is a law. Uh, so uh, is, there are parts of it that could be changed. Um, other than that, I mean, for something like this, really, no. 
Uh, and even if you did change the law, actually, for this kind of thing, it's extremely hard to hold a third party liable for uh, inciting somebody else having incited violence. So the First Amendment, actually, I think, would still be a barrier to any claim like this. Um, yeah. Andrea, do you agree? I do. It's it's one of those situations where we have legally decided to strike a balance in favor of speech and in favor of facilitating content creation. And so this has been one of the foundational laws of Internet law since early on in the commercialization of the Internet. And so unless we really want to reevaluate the balance that we've historically struck between free speech on the Internet and the tort and other potentially criminal responsibilities of platforms that facilitate third parties exchanging ideas on their platforms, short of uh, rebalancing through new law, as Rebecca pointed out, um, it is unlikely that this suit and similar suits like it will succeed. And uh, Rebecca, will this even get past a motion for summary judgment? You know, I would assume that the motion to dismiss is going to come soon. And uh, so there are judges uh, that have occasionally made errors on this kind of thing, and they're usually corrected by an appeal. So while it's not impossible, uh, I wouldn't hold out much hope. All right. Thank you both for discussing this case, which they come up often. They're interesting, but seems to be that they are very, very hard to uh, prosecute. And we've been talking to two professors of law, Rebecca Tushnet, professor at Georgetown University Law School, and Andrea Matwishan, professor of law at Northeastern University. Coming up on Bloomberg Law, we're going to be talking about President Barack Obama's attempts at this last minutes of his administration to protect his environmental legacy from what Donald Trump, who has vowed to undo that, might do when he gets into office. That's coming up on Bloomberg Law. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.